be some kind of way out of here. Hello there. You are listening to the Quarter to Three Games podcast. For uh, it's the end of March. We're done with March. Ready to move into April. My name is Tom Chick, and my game of the week is not Viet Cong Two. Hmm. My name is Bruce Garrick, and my game of the week is not The Crew. Oh, that's my game of the year. That's just mean. Yeah. Well, it also rhymes with Vietnam too, so that's ah, very perfect. Good. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Sure. Speaking of Vietnam, guess who we're talking to today? Um. General Jap? Nope. Uh, hmm. He is Johan. You know what? Is it Nagel? Yeah, Johan Nagel, uh, who is the, I guess, I don't know technically, the president, CEO, founder of a studio called Every Single Soldier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's made a game called Vietnam 65 mm. that uh, Bruce and I co reviewed. Um, Bruce, what did we give that? I forget. What was our score? What was our rating? Because that's you know, let's let's get down to brass tacks. What number did we stick on our review? One hundred percent. That's right. It's a perfect game, is what that means. Yeah. No, it just means we both loved it. Uh, yeah. we, we really loved the game. It's a unique design. A lot of really smart stuff. What we're looking forward to talking to uh, to Johan about this. Um, did you know about the game before I told you about it? By the way. You know, I had, and I, I, it's to my discredit that I kind of ignored it because um, I got an email, one of those you know press marketing emails from um, from Matrix or Slytherin, Slytherin slash Matrix, and it said Vietnam sixty five, and then uh, it said something about blah blah blah. You're in, you know, one of those things that that I always find so embarrassing about uh, game marketing that you know you're. You're in the jungle with blah blah. And I'm like, right. oh god, okay, for whatever, delete. Um, and I just didn't really think any much much about it. And then, um, and then I actually, uh, I think our mutual friend Troy Goodfellow uh, sent me a code for it, um, and uh, I picked it up and I thought, wow, this isn't what I was expecting. Wait, is Troy representing? Like, is Troy doing PR for it? No, I, I don't know if he's doing PR. I just he had a code. I think he he had already had it, and he got an extra one from somebody, and he just sent it to me. And I thought, huh, this is um, this is completely not at all what I thought it was going to be. I just I I had no expectations for this game when I when I started out, um, and that's what um, that what made me interested to talk to uh, to Johan because, um, gosh. I have all sorts of questions for him. Well, I, I did the same thing, and you know, I looked at the press release. I saw Vietnam, and that that makes my ears perk up. I'm interested in Vietnam War games, and I read the bullet list, and I my, my reaction to some of the claims in there was like, "Oh, come on, really? No, you get no. This is this." And then I looked at some screenshots, and that, by the way, super quick way to get turned off of the game. Mm-hmm. It, you know, they look they're they're fine, but they don't give you any sense for what the game does. It's special. I looked at the screenshots, and I thought it was going to be some kind of like you know, XCOM style, uh, you know, your soldier has this many hit points and you can move this many pieces, places in the jungle and um, and then he fights the Viet Cong soldiers. And, and I think someone described it from the screenshots as it looked like Advanced War, which is yes. just this very basic turn-based, you know, tactical game. Uh, and then I didn't I didn't think anything of it. Uh, but, I, you know, I heard some people talking about it and decided, oh, this does sound different uh, and, I'll, and I'll give it a shot. So, yeah, it must be a tough sell, though. At least to guys, 
like you and I, I think respond uniquely to to games about Vietnam. To, to guys who don't have that that kind of DNA, uh, it, it must be a really tough sell. You know, who's going to want to play this game with these screenshots about a war that was that long ago that no one cares about anymore? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if anybody nobody cares about it anymore, but. Uh... <laughs> I think you're just trolling me there. Um, but uh, I, I do think that that uh, the people who are going to like this game aren't going to be the ones who are going to like those screenshots. I'm, I'm very surprised by um, – I mean I saw that and I just, I just thought it was going to be – I think I keep repeating myself, but I just expected something different. And I'm wondering uh, how that's going to affect his marketing, um, you know, what he's what he's really actually selling because the things that I think people who uh, you know this is this is available for the iOS and the PC mm-hmm. and I'm wondering what the people who buy this for the iOS you know who are just thinking that they're going to get one of these um, one of these you know simple strategy games are are getting themselves into and whether they're going to be upset that they just paid money for something that they just didn't think that they were going to get yeah or whether they're even going to be able to figure it out you know are yeah. they just going to play it for 10 minutes and oh like, definitely- I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on you know i this vc guy attacked me and now yeah. i can't find him on the map right. and this right. game is bugged yes. i'm done yes right yes yeah i'm going back to i'm going back to uh to peggle <laughs> yeah, uh, i have a question for you bruce garrick mm-hmm. yes uh, you're you're doing a series of, of videos on mm-hmm. uh, vietnam board games by the way yes. where people find those uh, they can find them on www.wargamespace.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do you care about uh, a war that happened so long ago that we lost? That was a sort of a uh, a sad chapter in American military history. Uh, what? Why do you respond to that in in a game? Why does that matter to you more than say, or differently than say, uh, you know, World War One or or the Falkland Islands? Or, or no, no, Grenada, the invasion of Grenada. You know, why why do you respond to Vietnam in games? Oh, first of all, it was a tie. Um, but anyway, um, so I resp- – well, first of all, I respond to – I think we had this discussion at one point that I respond to anything that's history because uh, I think that no matter when that history was, I think it matters. Um, I respond to Vietnam, well, because um, unlike the Falkland Islands uh, – Vietnam was fought by America, mm-hmm. and so, uh, so was Grenada. Though that's why I changed my. Oh, you my, see, changed your answer. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, very exactly. clever. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think that uh, you know I, I, there probably is a game about Grenada. Uh, I don't know that I've that <laughs> I've word. played it. Yeah, but um, wait, that well, can't be true. That cannot be true. I don't know. There. Well, I think there is a Grenada scenario in uh, Operational Art of War, isn't there? I would okay. That I would be. I would believe that. That yeah. I would not be a surprise. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. But uh, but uh, you know, I mean, I, the other thing is that I'm a gamer, and that uh, I'm not sure how you could possibly make a Grenada game uh, that was interesting, uh, unless you, uh, you know, it was a race to see you know who could open their you know beer the fastest after they conquered the island. But uh, um, it, you know, I, I think that uh, a game like Vietnam has a lot of uh, possibilities for interpretation. Uh, you can, you can, um, you ha- you have a whole political question to answer. Uh, you have the sort of um, since since it was a tie uh, and we didn't win, uh, we have to uh, we come up against the um, 
the question of how we could have won and what we could have done and whether you reward those strategies or not. And, uh, you know, it's, it's almost it's almost a philosophical statement to make a game about Vietnam uh, as, as opposed to, for example, Grenada. I think just making a game about Grenada is a philosophical statement. But beyond that, uh, there's nothing but uh, making a game about Vietnam. The way you do it is uh, sort of a philosophical, political, military and uh, existential design statement. Um, and I, I love I have one of the reasons that I decided to do uh, the series that the video series that I'm doing is that uh, there aren't many games about Dien Bien Phu. And so you can sort of take the the oeuvre, if you can uh, use that word on uh, a games podcast and um, and just compare how people look at something. And um, it's not that's really not possible to do with Vietnam games because there are so many. Um, but. Every time I pick one up, I'm fascinated by how that particular designer approached the, the, the subject. Well, Vietnam kind of breaks the conventions of wargaming in that you know you have a chit with a, mili- a strength and you compare the strengths on the combat results table mm-hmm. and roll the die and mm-hmm. you know you just, you just can't do that in a Vietnam game. Well, you uh, can. It just will be terrible. Right, right, exactly. I mean, you're, it's not going to be much of a game, exactly. And so, right. hopefully, no one, you know, anyone who's trying to seriously make a game. They're going to have to come at it from some other direction, which is part of what I think is, is exciting about your series is you're looking at the ways different people come at this, um, modeling what even uh, modeling what happened over there. Um, right. So, well, let, let's then talk to Johan. Let's uh, find out what the heck he was thinking making a, a game about Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, what was he thinking? Yeah. Why? Why? Why do that? You know, we need more games about World War II for Pete's sake. D-Day. No one is exploring. <laughs> The gameplay implications of the invasion of, of, of France to, to, in World War II. Why don't we see more games about that for Pete's sake? Yeah, or Grenada. I mean, <laughs> he could have done that. Uh, yeah, well, there, there is that, that famous scenario in Operational Art of War, I understand, exactly. about Grenada. Yeah. So. Uh-huh. All right, well, let's go talk to Johan. Uh, stick around afterwards because we'll, we'll be back to talk some more about what Johan has said. Um, we'll see you guys on the other side. Johan, thank you so much for uh, meeting with us today. Uh, thanks for being here. Uh, pleasure is all mine. Uh, so I, the first question that I have for you, um, it's going to be a little broad, so forgive me for throwing this, uh, yeah. this broad question at you, but uh, for Pete's sake, who the heck are you that you have made this really cool Vietnam game? Well, well. Firstly, thank you for the compliment. Um, I'm I'm sort of third generation military. Um, I'm currently wearing camouflage shorts as we speak. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I've been wargaming since 1980 something. Cut my teeth on squad leader. So I, I've been wargaming for a long time, and um, this idea has been brewing in my head for well over 20 plus years. Wow. Uh, so then it sounds to me like uh, are are you primarily Tabletop, computer war games, a little of both. Uh, as far as your background, uh, what, which, which, where do you come from? The tabletops. Okay, so computers? tabletops. Def- definitely, I was tabletops. Uh, you know, moving around with a ruler and dice, and then of course Avalon Hill was a fantastic company that started putting out some really great work. Moved to the counters, and then now electronics. It's a kind of mixture of both, actually. But I definitely, I'm, I come from a tabletop background. And is this your first game? Would we know you from anything else? 
No, this is my first game. Um, it, it's something I've been wanting to do for a very, very long time. Um, I just decided about two years ago to actually go ahead and do it. And, and here we are today. Wow, great, great. Um, well, uh, I know Bruce and I uh, are just, just really excited about what you've done. Um, and uh, so, so, Bruce, wh- where should we take Johan? What, what, what sort of questions should we pester him with first? <laughs> well, uh, I, I, I guess the, I guess the first thing um, is uh, with this game that you you made, Johan. Is this is this the game you thought you were going to make, or when you made the game, did it change in some way? Because hmm. uh, it's it's very it's very interesting where you got, but I don't know if this is where you where you plan to end up. I think the departure point was when I was playing tabletop games, especially, um, I sort of seemed to lack strategic relevance to, to what I was doing on the tabletop. So say, for example, we had to capture a bridge. You capture the bridge on the tabletop, pick up and go. I, I wanted strategic relevance to the game. Where's why was I catching the bridge and, you know, what relevance would it have going forward? So I actually programmed the first iteration of this game where it ran the strategic model and then I would play out the individual contacts on a tabletop. Hmm. Um, you mean so there are different scenarios? Yeah, exactly. So, so what I would do is, as you see the game today, when there is a contact right now, it's just a sort of percentage uh, win and lose. You know, originally with this game, I used to then transplant that scenario, which the which the model sort of sort of spat out to a mm-hmm. tabletop, play the actual scenario, then put the results back into the into the simulation. So it was kind of like you had tactical combat in the context of this more operational level war game. Absolutely, that's how it started, and then, and then Operation Flashpoint came out on the computer, which had a great editor. So for the first time, I could actually have the tactical combat and the strategic combat in one sort of computerized platform. That was like a bit of an evolution. And was there ever a model of this design where where Vietnam sixty five actually broke out into separate tactical combat? Um, no. Um, um, when you say sorry, just re- rephrase the question there for me. So I'm curious. You 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 talk about uh, in Vietnam '65 this this model yeah. here. You would break out into a, a tactical combat. You would get tactical combat and you would model it on a tabletop, right? Yeah. Uh, so was there ever a version of Vietnam '65 where what is currently just a percentage, you know, VC fires a an RPG at a helicopter yeah. and it vanishes? Was there ever a version of this game where it was more uh, detailed than that? Yeah, very much so. I mean, and it was all built inside the Operation Flashpoints editor. So what was cool about that is on the strategic map, there was a crowd I found in the U.S. that that, that put tactical symbols onto the map. So you would play it like on a tactical level in the in, in the strategic map in Operation Flashpoint. And when it went to the contact, it actually recreated the game in Operation Flashpoint's um, machinery. And you'd actually control the individual Green Beret kind of guy. It's still, to my, to, you know, best of my sort of view is it was the best iteration of the game yet. You say that was the best iteration, you feel? The- Very much so, because I actually, you know, I went right down into the tactical combat as well as mm-hmm. getting the strategic relevance I was looking for. You know, I have to say I'm kind of surprised to hear you say that, Johan, because um, p- part of uh, what I really like about your design um, is that it, it resists having a lot of extra stuff in it. It's very, uh, and I don't mean this uh, to denigrate it, like it's very simple. Um, oh. A lot of what I like about Vietnam 65 it's, is what's not in there. 
Uh, no, absolutely good point. Um, you know, when I actually started designing it, it's no secret that I designed it for the iPad. I mean, I know a lot of the hardcore gamers gave me a bit of stick for, for porting it, but I think it's valid on both platforms. But ultimately what I wanted was a, a sort of an under three hour complete Vietnam War experience. So I took a lot of things out. I'll be honest, um, I did take a lot out. There's a lot missing in this game that was in the original design, but I'm very, very happy with the result. Oh, what kind of stuff was in there? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask. So, so some of the big things that were were taken out is that in the original design, there was actually Laos and, Com- and C- Cambodia were included ah. in the operational scope. So you could do cross-border raids. You know, So that was a big part of, of, of what I took out of the game. Um, I took out a lot of other units as well. I had the Marines in there. I had tunnels in there. You know, But mm. it, I, I was overcomplicating it for myself because I enjoyed the subject matter so much. Mm. And I thought, let me try and get a broader audience, and I simplified this game to what we have today. You definitely got the under three-hour thing. Um, I mean, it just plays very smoothly, and and you can sit down and play the game and get a result uh, in a in a pretty reasonable gaming session. I think. I I can't yeah. imagine that that would happen if you had Laos and Cambodian tunnels and Marines and everything else. No, definitely not. That that was more my groghead sort of background coming to the fore. But really, honestly, the, 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 this game was designed. I fly a lot, um, and I really wanted to fly with Vietnam. And I kind of gave myself a two two and a half hour sort of um, restraint on the game, and I didn't want to lose the sort of deep sort of uh, sort of strategic level of the game too. Because a lot of games I'm buying on the iPad, to be quite honest, I, I, I sort of sit through one playing session and I I sort of delete it. So I really did that out of it was more of a it was more of a party trick, call it that, that I was doing. I wanted this for me. I know it sounds selfish, but that's how it started. Hmm. Why is this a game about Vietnam, and not say you know uh, World War Two or uh, Civil War or you're, you're South African, a, a Boer War game or something? Why? Yeah, you're talking straight to where I'm coming from. I mean, I was an infantry lieutenant in our own coin warfare year in Angola. So, you know, I've, I've always had a fascination for some reason with the 1st Air Cavalry Division. You know, even when I was serving in our military, I did about four years here in our country, I was always fascinated with the air mobility of warfare. And I've followed the, the 1st Air Cavalry Division all the way through. I've personally been to Vietnam, visited every single battle site. You know, I'm a real – I've even got a tattoo on my left arm of, of, the, of the company patch. So, yes, it's a bit of a passion. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, and uh, is this something – so, so I guess also that's something else that I really admire about the design is it doesn't feel like uh, a design that later gets adapted to Vietnam. Like there, there's so many things here that I, I think couldn't exist in anything but a Vietnam game. Um, for, Absolutely. For, and uh, you know things like the, the presence of the jungle. The you know I, I'm not surprised to hear about your effect, your uh, affection for air cavalry because of the way you model helicopters here. Um, the, the split idea of insurgents and a conventional military, uh, the whole thing with the Hearts and Minds campaign, the limitation of the political will back home. Uh, yeah, so yeah. It, it's, it's thoroughly Vietnam in, inside and out, it seems. Absolutely. It's, it's a thoroughbred Vietnam game. Um, uh, what I tried to do was capture every single iconic feature of the war. I, I did have to take a few out, like tunnels, like I said, and like Marines, and like PBRs on the river, which is which is something we can add in the future. But but I try to capture the, the essence of the war, you know, right down to the most iconic features of the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there any politics in your game, Johan? 
politics in in what regard? Uh, well, I kind of wanted you to answer that. Is there anything? Uh, is there anything that you would consider political, or you know, is there a political oh, okay. opinion in your game? Let me let me. No, absolutely that. not. Absolutely not. In fact, um, something I did take out of my original design as well was the whole issue of interrogation and propaganda. Um, I thought that would probably cause more trouble than it was worth in the original design. So, say, for example, I used to have infantry going into a village. They could employ other tactics to get intelligence, which was a feature of the war. Um, but there's absolutely no political agenda here at all. The fact that I'm South African probably gives me a better opportunity to escape that sort of argument. Okay, fair enough. Um, uh, let me ask, as you were uh, as you were going through and deciding what things were not in the game uh, – Tell me what sort of struggles you had with the various demands of uh, realism, uh, gameplay, and and fun. Because uh, I can imagine balancing those three things, that's got to be that that can't be an easy feat for a game designer. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this game, um, the balancing of this game was the challenge. To be honest, that's why we only have nine or ten units. Um, but, you know, it, it, it was a difficult decision deciding what to put in, what to put out. But at the end of the day, I actually was focusing more on on being a, a fun game to play than a diehard historical absolute simulation. That was kind of my departure point. I wanted someone to play two and a half hours and say, I just won or I just lost the Vietnam War. That was really where my departure point was. Mm-hmm. Now, was there a game flow that you were trying to achieve with that? I mean, did you want to have the um, – I mean, how, how did you want the game to sort of unfold for people? Because for me, this game has, definitely has this, uh, this almost um, almost rhythm, right? You, 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 you yeah. load up your troops and you, you, uh, you sort of have a, a, a strategy for which villages you want to sort of control and you get your intelligence and all of a sudden, um, boom, you get ambushed and uh, you sort of have to, to – um, re- reconfigure your, uh, you know, uh, you found it. You find an NVA base. Now you have to sort of um, get troops there before it starts, you know, sort of metastasizing as this this sort of stuff does. Um, you uh, uh, you have to put out patrols in the jungle. I mean, it's very hard to win this game on the on the veteran level without really kind of being very proactive. Is that is that something you wanted to? Um, how how did you want the players to? to what what kind of decisions do you have to force the players to make in this game? Yeah, so I think on the flow part, I think if you look at the Intel map in the game, that graph in the bottom right, mm-hmm. you know, the, per- the perfect model for that graph would be you start at 50, you go down to around about 45, 40 if you're unlucky enough or you're just not doing your job well enough. And then you should gradually pick it up. And by the end of 45 turns, you should end at between 54 and 60. So, so the flow was really coming into a new territory, unfamiliar, starting to dominate the terrain, you know, real coin warfare stuff, get intelligence. But I think the point also, what I'm trying to get the player to understand is if you want to win this game, you've got to have a certain amount of aggression in your approach to the play. You can't just start on the right-hand side of the map and, and hope to work your way across to the left. It'll be too late by then. For, for me, Johan, it, uh, uh, it feels almost like a terraforming game. You know, uh, you mentioned that graph, uh, and in a way I kind of think of the graph is you come into this hostile territory, and initially you're getting your ass kicked by it, but as you gradually um, establish, as you gradually dig in and start pushing yourself out, especially with with decisions like where you put your forward bases, um, clearing the jungle, building roads, uh, it really does kind of feel like a a terraforming game almost. 
Very much so. I think, I mean, I mean, a lot of people have made the point it's, it's, a, it's a logistical game, it's a civilization expansion type game. I think those are all influences, you know, of the games I've played in the past, without a doubt. So, yeah, I, I, I just actually wanted the player to have an experience. Um, and initially the game turns were actually set at close to 80. And, you know, I, I, over lots of balancing and testing, I kind of figured out 45 was the optimal sort of turn number to actually get a, a decent result. So, yeah, lots of balancing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that because you uh, you wanted players – I mean, 80 turns would make the game longer, but, but you're saying that that was actually a balance issue, that the game sort of worked itself out to the, to the kind of the result you wanted in 45 turns, so that's where you went? Yeah, I think, you know, optimally testing the game, it came to me that sort of 45 was was the most enjoyable and also you'd either win or lose by 45 and you had a good Mm -hmm. chance of winning by 45 because many times you could be winning by 45 and you got another 30 turns to go. You know, it wasn't that much fun. It does kind of seem like, uh, like in a way, time is on the U.S. side. Once they get a foothold in, once they start really pushing outwards, uh, like it feels like if if I had more turns, I could almost I, – I'm pretty sure I would win. Like a lot of times when I lose, I feel like I lose because I, I didn't quite have enough time to exactly. really get established. Yeah, uh, Absolutely. Without a doubt, that's exactly where the 45-turn um, limit came in. Uh, Johan, I, I have a bone to pick with you. Yeah. What is the difference between uh, normal and veteran levels of difficulty, and why okay. can I not make any headway on veteran, but I kind of feel like normal is a little too easy? Uh, okay, so so in fact, veteran was actually regular, and in, and and where you've got regular today was almost like a training mission. So so I'll, I'll briefly give you the background. So so when you when you play with regular as opposed to veteran, the aggression of the North, North Vietnamese and the VCR turned down pretty dramatically. So they don't spawn as often. And also, when they reach the villages, they don't have that much of a hard effect on the hearts and minds of that village. Mm. So it's really a dumbed-down, numbed-down version of veteran. So the game should be played on veteran. Does the uh, does the combat algorithm change at all? Like, do those numbers change, or is it mainly a matter no. of the quantity and aggression of the NVA and VC? Everything else is the same, with the, with the exception that you obviously get a little bit more political support points to start the game, which gives you a bit more units. But generally, the, the the interaction, the combat interaction, is the same. It's the aggression level of the two, plus the effects they have on the hearts and minds, which runs the whole game. So it's quite a dramatic effect. So do you hear that, Bruce? It's time for you to step up your game and start playing yeah. on veteran. Uh, I guess I, I've just won the training mission, so it's, it's kind of disappointing to hear. Um, you can't be the British and play on normal. You've got to be the U.S. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, so a question for you about the, um, you know, this is, the the veteran and the effectiveness of things, I find that this game seems to be sort of, um, I guess it's almost uh, an interpretation of how the U.S. wanted the uh, the war to go. Uh, the U.S. airstrikes are incredibly effective. Um, I think a lot of you, you know, the um, NVA bases can be taken out just by um, just by artillery bombardment. Um, and those are things that I think that were less effective uh, from a from a U.S. military standpoint uh, historically. Is is there some sort of tweaking to this from a game standpoint that you know w- the point where you decided uh, I think this is going to work better if I don't try to make this an absolute simulation? Um, I think it dawned on me pretty early on that I couldn't make it ex- absolutely historically. Um 
you know, correct, because there might be a fun element that was out of it too. It all comes down to balance. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've modified the variables on every one of those 10 units to try and find the balance. And in the process, I have swayed towards gameplay as opposed towards historical. I, I can just imagine, like, 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 for instance, if you were to let infantry have uh, six supplies instead of five, you know what a huge difference that yeah. would make. Yeah. Um, and that People might don't way, understand it. People what? I'm sorry, say again? People actually don't understand it. I get huge requests from the forums and the posts saying, why can't we make the Green Beret guy a stronger guy? Like, he can defeat all units. And why can't we have <laughs> right. a, a C-47 spooky in the air that can knock out any base? You know, people don't actually understand the amount of time gone, in, you know, gone into balancing this game. I, I think what's going on here, too, and, and I'm not the least bit surprised to hear that you're a tabletop gamer, um, is there's a real sort of board game elegance to it where the, the numbers are low you know, you're not using crazy long numbers or you're not trailing things out after a decimal point. Um, everything is discrete little bits that you could just as easily represent with, you know, with chits or figures or uh, it just feels very board gamey and elegant. And if it was a board game, it would almost be like what we call a Euro board game, I feel. Yeah. Um, no, no, absolutely. I, th there's a strong board game influence in here. Even, for example, the, the sort of the U.S. unit can take one hit, and on the second hit, it's destroyed. Right. Or, for example, when it runs out of supplies, it disappears off the board. You know, I've had a lot of criticism and a lot of praise for those mechanics, but it's what makes the game fun to play. Yeah, I mean, this game could be um, completely different if you uh, if you really tried to decide to. Uh, you know, make a Vietnam counterinsurgency sort of simulation. I mean, you'd have to, uh, you know, every every unit would have, um, uh, you know, these these sort of dynamic supply levels, and you know, depending on how many yeah. units they had left, that's how much supply they would, you know, uh, use. And um, you know, you'd have different, uh, you know, they you could equip them with different. I mean, there's there's yeah, that that's I, I, it's interesting. Of course, I knew. I mean, I knew. I I I can't say that I'm surprised to hear that people were saying, well, why don't you put all these other units in one? Why don't you change all these, you know, these things? Um, because that's just how war gamers are. And there's a certain, uh, you know, there's a, there's a certain, I don't know what you want to call it, faction or or uh, yeah. sort of side to the hobby that just that really wants to play with all the toys and that, and that they're sort of creating this sort of virtual reality with the game. So I think to them, the balance is less important than just having all of these things and i'm i'm really glad that you did what you did because i love how you know it's almost like it's it's almost like this really incredibly um uh it's like almost like a jenga sort of thing where you you, you yep. move pieces and 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 uh, i can see sometimes when i when i make a really bad move uh all of a sudden things start to come apart for me and i think oh you know i just i, I didn't do this right i um I, I, uh, there's there's an elegance to the game that I violated by by doing these kind of dumb things where I was a little too aggressive and and my whole plan came apart. Um, and it it really I think the what you've done with the balance I mean it really shows I mean it, it it's it's very clear that uh, that you've you've spent a lot of time with this and uh, I just wish that uh, uh, that I hadn't heard that stuff about the normal level because uh, <laughs> now I feel like all my success in this game is really. Uh, Really not worth very much. Um, go ahead. This actually leads me to a question, then, uh, Johan. Um, yeah. What What have you? Um, I, I really want to show this game to some of my friends who wouldn't want to play a war game. Like I want to show this to my my friends who play strategy games or who play board games who would turn their noses up 
at uh, at some World War II war game. Um, and and I feel like you, uh, you must have faced quite a challenge uh, with a couple of things, like with a tutorial, for instance. Uh, you know, what audience are you selling this game to? Um, as far as making this game accessible to people who who would enjoy it, but who might not want to play a war game. Uh, and even true. in the screenshots, by the way, like the screenshots, yeah. I don't think you can really tell quite what you're doing by looking at screenshots of this game. Uh, it sounds like a tough sell, and it sounds like you must have faced a real challenge uh, teaching people how to play this game within the context of the game. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the biggest challenges, you know, when I started doing some focus groups before I launched the game was that I was taking random age group people and, and sitting behind them and watching them play the game on the iPad. And, you know, there, there is a hump to learning this game. And, you know, uh, I'm not defending good or bad reviews. I've had some really fantastic reviews. I'm very happy with them. But one or two people play 10 turns or 8 or 10 or maybe even 20 turns and they hate it because there is a hump to this game. You've got to get over that initial hump. And when you get into the rhythm, as you said earlier, of the game, then it's got that one more turn sort of appeal, you know, that that keeps going. And that's what I was looking for for a broader – I was looking for a broader audience. You know, I wasn't looking to please the grog heads. I wasn't, you know, aiming to please the tabletop guys. I actually wanted to make this an accessible short-form war game, for want of a better word. And I think one of the one of the complications there, though, uh, is that there's a it, it feels like there's a lot that you have to know to actually be playing the game. Like it's not a game that you can just sit down and start moving pieces around and in the context of playing, kind of figure it out. Um, you know, in discussing this with some people, I've, I've I've really encouraged. You know what? Read the manual. Just sit yeah. down, read through it. Um, you know, this isn't a game like Civilization where you're just going to start out with one settler, so you're not going to yeah. have a lot of important decisions until you hit the medieval age, and you don't have to worry about airplanes until you hit the modern yeah. age. You know, yeah. this is a game where I kind of feel like you have to wrap your head around the whole design before you're actually playing for real. Um, yeah. And I, I, mean, I respect that a lot, by the way, about it. Like, that's one of the things I really like about it. Uh, but I can imagine that's that's something that a lot of computer gamers aren't used to being asked to do before they play a game. Yeah, absolutely. That was the challenge, you know, is, is to hook someone in long enough to invest enough time in it then to appreciate the game. So even even with the tutorials, it was a struggle. I actually wanted to sort of make it mandatory for people to go through the advanced training before they could play the game. But, of course, you know, the guys are saying most uh, most of the wider audience that you want to go to, particularly yeah. the younger generation, they want to like, start playing in two seconds, you know. So, yeah. yes, a real challenge. And that, by the way, is why I don't mind the idea that the normal difficulty level, you know what, you're going to win. You're going to be fine with that. Uh, yeah. But, I, I did, yeah, so uh, I can kind of appreciate, even though I feel it's too easy for me and it, it doesn't have much value for me, I can really appreciate that you've got that normal difficulty level in there. Um, well, I mean, what we have done to keep all parties happy, you know, with, with the update coming up, we're putting in a custom game option where the player can actually regulate his own victory conditions, uh-huh. his own turn length, his own – in fact, he can design his own campaign down to what the weather is going to look like. So, you know, we're thinking if, if we are going to go for a wide audience and go just in the middle, why don't we expand it to both sides of the spectrum and everyone can be happy? But part of me, Johan, doesn't want that because I think now people are going to break it. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I feel, I don't want to do that, <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling a little defensive of the game. I'm like, no, you yeah, should play it the way Johan designed it. What are you thinking? Don't go changing the variables. 
So, 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 so the only consequence of playing it not the way I designed it is that you don't get any any awards or medals or badges for it. So if you want to play outside of the scope of the game, then feel free. But if you want to play the game and, you know, rack up your awards and the like, then you play it the, the way it was intended. Right. Yeah, that's a, you know, uh, when I was hearing hearing you say that, I was sort of just, my heart sank with just a little bit, thought, yeah. oh, you know, designer. But, I mean, I think it's I think it's reasonable. I mean, I guess the difference here is that, you know, in some cases, you know, it, this is, this Tom is absolutely right. This is really a board game. You have to, you sort of have to know everything that you're doing right from the yeah. beginning. It's like a board game where you have to follow all the rules and you can't just say, oh, well, I'll just worry about those rules, you know, in, in, on the 10th turn. Yeah. You have to, every turn you have to apply all the rules. Um, and, you know, in a board game, there's this elegance to having a design that you sort of present to the player and say, here's this box. You open the box. Here are my rules. Here's how you play the game. But then the player's alternative is to say, well, I don't like that game, so uh, yeah. I'm not going to play it. Um, yeah. So I guess if you want to let the player um, say, okay, well, I'm going to change a whole bunch of parameters – and that's the game that I will agree to play. That's, it's better than not having them play at all. And I do like the fact you know everybody wants achievements. So ultimately, you're going to get people to play the game on you know as you present it to them because people want achievements. It's just one of those facts of life. It, it was a tough debate. Make no mistake. I, I'm I'm a bit of a purist when it comes to this game. I mean, I look at this game hard before I make any kind of design decision. But this one, the response has been quite, quite big. So I thought, let me, let me, uh, let's cater for the wider audience. Is the response bigger than you thought? Like, are you, are you surprised at how it's doing and how people are reacting? Is uh, I am. Yeah. I, I, I totally am. I mean, I, I honestly read every single post, watch every single video on every single forum, uh, and make copious notes on it because it's that, that you know, it's that close to me. And really, it's been, it's been a journey. It's been fantastic. You know, bearing in mind this thing started out as sort of a, something I just wanted to do for myself because I was so interested in the war and I wanted to play it on an aeroplane, to having interviews with guys like you, to be honest, is it's fantastic. It's an awesome journey. So I'm, I'm thrilled. Tell me about how you uh, created a relationship with Matrix to publish it. So it's quite, a, it's quite quite a funny story. I was actually going to launch this game in October last year. Um, so without a publisher. So I was just going along. I was just going to put it on and, and just do my own thing. I think what happens is, well, what I started doing was I was doing a bit of my own marketing. So I banged a few emails out um, to some, you know, some of the, the better known review sites just to try and get some publicity for the game. But it really, I wasn't fussed by it. I was happy with the game. And I got about four or five publishers phoning me within like a week. And I spent a whole week on Skype sort of talking to three or four publishers. And I ultimately ended up with Slytherin Matrix because I think they are, you know, they are a recognized war game brand. So that's how it happened. Were they responding to um, – I guess I, I, I can't help but think that if you had been making like just another World War II game, you wouldn't have gotten this much attention. Uh, do you think the yeah. fact that it's a Vietnam game was, was a, a big factor in that, that response? All of the publishers were delighted, the fact that I wasn't doing a World War II game. Right. You know, they were saying something – and also my mechanism was new, you know, the hearts and yeah. minds mechanism. So, so they were going, wow, this is fresh. This is awesome. This is something different. Um, so yes, very much so. I mean, I think there's, there's so much World War II out there; it's crazy. Uh, how much did the game change once you started, or did it once you started working with Matrix? Very little, actually. Um, the, the one thing we did do is we did do a terrain overall. I mean, my, uh, in fact, I did that. Uh, someone posted a comment and it said uh, they, they asked me why is the Vietnam War being fought on a golfing green? 
And, and that hurt. <laughs> it hurt. It really hurt. So I went straight back to my devs and I said, guys, we need to make the terrain. So a lot of people think the terrain was changed because of the work with the publisher, but it wasn't. Slytherin has been fantastic. They haven't made any demands. I think they just, they respect, you know, my passion for the game and I respect them for the marketing of the game. And so, so the big changes, some of the good changes they did bring in were gameplay. A couple of little nice little gameplay hints they brought in, which was pretty cool. But fundamentally, 90% of it was going to be launched last, last year, October. And, and what, uh, what, was, what was the biggest change that they decided that you made between October and then? The biggest change they made is that when you issue orders to a unit – and it carries over to the next turn, the bottom right goes to continue as opposed to end turn. And, it, you know, it, it automates the process of the commands, which I thought was very smart. Hey, did hey. you? Go ahead, please. I, I was just going to follow up and say, did you do the interface? Because I think the interface is, is incredibly uh, um, smooth for a first-time designer. Is that how, how long did it take you to, to get that down? Because I can imagine all sorts of uh, horror scenarios uh, with an interface for games like this. Um, in fact, you know, I've got a team of about 10 guys here in South Africa, a bunch of youngsters, really talented guys. And my, my lead programmer, a guy by the name of Claudio Dessar, he's actually done a few games before. So, you know, that, that, that UI interface and the feel was very much his work, and I was delighted with the result because I'm really not a specialist in that game. But uh, we, are, we, are, we are changing it a little bit. That, that UI currently where it clusters around the selected unit, we're going to drop those buttons to the bottom of the screen because there's problems when you pan. So we're learning, but very much, very happy with the UI. I mean, that's one of the things that I think makes it a, as, as you intended, uh, a you know two-hour game that you can sit and power through. Is you you really get into a flow with the way the buttons are set up. Um, you know, just the fact that there are buttons on the right side to select my my headquarters, my forward base, that I can also use those buttons as a destination for a selected unit. Once you learn tricks like that, uh, it's really really smooth. Well, I'll tell you where that comes from. I'm I'm a banker by trade. Um, I've been banking for a long time. And, you know, banking's all gone digital. And I spend hours in workshops trying to optimize websites for banks. Mm. Um, and the whole thing is less clicks. You know, like, let's do things with less clicks. So whenever I was doing something, so I was actually, I, I would play test the game and count the clicks to do something. You should have seen what the supply model looked like before we actually really got stuck into it. It was like seven clicks to supply. So it was that kind of intuitive, less clicks sort of um, intention that, that, that got us there in the end. You know, I, I have to say, it's a game about where, where a lot of what you're doing is logistics. You know, flying helicopters, carrying crates back and forth. Uh, you know, I, 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 I love that because of how painless you've made it with, with the interface. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I've spent a lot of time trying to... I, I never wanted to totally automate the supply. A lot of people have called it a logistics game, and there's an element of logistics, of course, like any military operation does. But I didn't want to sort of automate it to such an extent where the player didn't make priority decisions. <laughs> um, you mentioned previously uh, an update. Uh, I am super curious about that. But first of all, I want to say, this is another uh, bone I have to pick with you, uh, Johan. Why can we not see the hex outlines just fix that really quick. Yes, yes, I was, I was going to ask that. That, that, that seriously, Johan, is the reason that I, I haven't, like, I've been putting it down because I know you have a, an update coming up. Guys, why don't we go to the update and then I'll put you out of your misery. Wait, there, ah, yes. there's going to be hex outlines in the update? It's already in. I'm already playtesting it. Right. So, so, so you're so going to have hex overlays as, a, as an option on the in-game and the Intel map screen. 
Right. So for for historical question, why weren't they in the first game? I didn't want it to look like an Avalon Hill board game. I see. Yeah, you, you know what? Don't, don't, don't be ashamed of don't be ashamed of hexes, Oh no, absolutely not ashamed. But I didn't. I thought it was somebody's story, but I take it it's the cat. It, yeah, it's uh, he's okay. sorry. He's, the cat is, is, is yeah. He's. Uh, I was happy I wasn't boring you there, Bruce. It sounds like on my side, it sounds like somebody's snoring. <laughs> so, the, the, so the hexes, you know, the hexes are are something I deliberately did not put in because I wanted to appeal to a broader audience. And if people opened the map and saw hexes, they'd go, "Ah, this is an Avalon Hill or a, a groggy type game." But it's in. It's already done. I'm play testing it. Well, you know, actually, hexes are no longer a dirty word, partly because of Civilization V. Yes. You know, they, they yes. kind of embraced the hex nature of it. And I think a lot of people who used to be scared away by hexes, they're kind of okay with them now. So. Well, we've even, we've even colored the hexes to depict what terrain is in the hex, because some people just can't seem to figure out you can't land a helicopter in the jungle. Right, right. Well, for, for me, it's also count, like counting the range of spotting for a green beret and, and placing my forward bases like a... You know, I, guys like me and Bruce, we're not scared of hexes, but uh, we need them to, like, count space and, and stuff Absolutely. like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Another, another important thing we're doing in the update is mm -hmm. the the zones of control, counting the range of hexes around the Green Bray, for example. We're going to slightly gray out hexes outside of the outside of the zone of control, like a fog of war type, you know, uh, effect. Very light. So when you move your ranger through the forest, it will illuminate slightly the area that he detects. And that's great, too, just for, you know, the strong visual rep representation of, like, where you've got coverage and where there are gaps yeah. in the coverage. And, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Which is fundamental to the game. You know, and, and another thing we're bringing in that I'm excited about is weather. Yeah, so you mentioned that before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we're going to bring on rain. And so on your Intel map, you're going to get a three-day weather forecast. And then if it does rain, for example, you won't be able to do airstrikes. It's going to affect the combat modification of the attacker. And it's going to slow down the movement of all American units. So you know, just another sort of variable to, to bring into the player. Now, um, Johan, tell me, I, I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm having a little bit of uh, difficulty on veteran. And uh, I'm sure that there are a lot of players who now that they've heard that uh, uh, normal is some kind of like uh, baby mode are going to uh, <laughs> go straight to the veteran. Do you have any, uh, any kind of common mistakes or uh strategies for people right. who might be having difficulty sort of uh, picking up the game and yeah. things that they, they should they should kind of think about any tips yeah very much so so it's a one or two the one is don't stay on the eastern side of the map for the first 15 turns you will lose you know if, if you're going to fiddle around and build roads and build two forward bases and a fire base on the eastern side of the map you've left the western side of the map the nva will be all over you so first of all You've got, to, you've got to expand your forces over the entire map from the beginning of the game. That, that's definitely a fundamental mistake a lot of people are doing. A lot that, of people also yeah? – And that, I just want to discuss that because that's a killer for, for me, Johan. I'm like, okay, you villages over there, you guys are going to have to fend for yourselves while I get situated. Maybe around turn 35, I'll get over there. Uh, <laughs> but then, but it, you know, the, then the big gorilla from across Cambodia has already established his, his presence on the, on, the, on the western side of the map. Well, yeah, then I get over there. Yeah, exactly. And then I discover, yeah. hey, there's bases and stuff already over here. Yeah, right, right. exactly. Uh, Another one is people underestimate the, the training of Arvin troops. So, so a lot of people think, you know, putting a Green Beret into a forward base for three turns is, um, is, is there could be better used scouting. So mm -hmm. my advice would be build a forward base where you anticipate getting 
you know, activity from the NVA because while the, while the Green Beret is in the base, he can still detect three around him. So it's like a special forces base and at the same time train Arvin. Because if you train Arvin, they don't cost you anything. They don't cost you port points when they're lost, and they're great at gathering intelligence. So people discount them to a large degree, which I think maybe they don't understand the role they play. You don't lose political points when Arvin are killed? No, because political points uh-huh. is about the U.S. It's the U.S. at home. So when you lose U.S. units, you know, the guys back home don't like it. Yeah. When Arvin suffers casualties, they're not really that fast. Don't you lose hearts and minds with, with, uh, with Arvin losses, though? Yes, you do. You lose hearts and minds with any loss, but you don't lose right. political points when you lose Arvin. Okay. But Arvin, on the downside of Arvin, the balance issue is that they're not very effective in combat. Right. Right. Well, that's the, that's the problem I always found with Arvin is that, you know, is here's a question I have about the rules. Is there any relationship between uh, the, the location of the village that I uh, visit and get intelligence – um, and the location of the intelligence that's ah. subsequently produced. Well, 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 it should be because, I mean, first of all, if you're in a contact close to a village and you win or you lose, that closest village is the one that gets affected. The right. intelligence that you get from the village, depending on, uh, and there are some variables, but about, about sort of 75% of the time it should be something within the locale of that village because that's normally where it says um, uh, no new intel as the message. As right. opposed to villages uncooperative. So, so when the village says village uncooperative, it just means on the percentage of them giving you information, they didn't give you information. Mm-hmm. No new intel actually means they did give you information, but there was nothing to tell you. Got it. Okay. Because I, I found that interesting because what I was doing sort of at, at one point was I was sending, uh, you know, when I had this sort of pacified, um, you know, back area, whatever, my, my secure zone, that I would send uh, Arvin troops into those villages and i would occasionally get intel that was you know pretty far out in the perimeter um and so i kind of got to because the the thing that i found with the arvin that was always uh you know sort of um limiting was that they 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 really were fragile and they were killing my hearts and minds points you know i lose three arvin that's three hearts and minds points um never mind the political you know i don't understand they don't they don't cost political but it was a big big enough of a hit so i was sort of preserving them keeping them back in my secure zone but then i was when i would they would go into villages they would sometimes give me uh intelligence that was out where i was fighting so it seemed kind of like a like a little bit of a uh i was cheating a little bit it was a little yeah. bit of a trade-off it was a little bit of poetic license because the problem is, is, can you imagine now that you bring, you know, you bring a village under total control and the, the U.S. flag is flying in the village, there is no reason to visit, you know, to actually visit that village anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. So right. I was trying to just build some incentive for you to still go back to that village because at the at the at the core of this game, it's about going to those villages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really, and that's another interesting point people might miss in, unless they read the manual is that. Every time you visit a village where the fire is burning, you can attempt to gather intel, but it also marginally increases the hearts and minds of that village in that mm-hmm. visit. Right. So you should never have any fires burning in this game. When there's a fire, there should be a troop going in and going to talk to that village. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, that, it's, almost, it's, it's so an opportunity. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. But there uh, are three basic strategies to winning this game. You know, so I didn't want it to be like a singular way of winning this game. Okay. So, there are three you know, distinct strategies. You know, one is using Arvin as you know, using Arvin as a, as a as a major strategy, building forward bases and going Arvin. The other one is is obviously using your mechanized vehicles for sweeping, and 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 using green berets for spotting. I mean, I think a lot of people have figured out. And the other one is a simple area domination by flooding the area with U.S. troops. 
So those and, are like the three kind of tenements you'd kind of work on, you know, trying to, you know, get this game to win. How much how much uh, terrain transformation do you think players need to do? I personally start building roads as quickly as I can, particularly from forward bases. I, I think it, it, it lessens the load of the helicopter because, you know, helicopters get expensive. You know, after your second or third purchase of a UAE, you're up to 3,000 political points. Mm-hmm. So what I try and do is build a forward base in a good location, put a green beret in it, start building spokes out to the villages. So then Arvin can literally just kind of circulate that area without using a helicopter. So, yeah, roads are important. A lot of people don't use them at all. Interesting. Uh, I always feel like I'm wasting a turn if I sweep for mines. Uh, tell me a bit about how I should be, and then I get hit by mines. Uh, tell me a bit about how people should manage mines. So I don't think you should enter or leave a village before you search for mines. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, mines are, are placed also based on the overall hearts and mines. It, you know, particularly if, you, if you're below 45 you know, you've got that Viet Cong flag or that Viet Cong heart in the top of your screen. There's going to be more mines around. And, you know, it's irritating to have a mine, you know, particularly when you're on the, on the sort of western side of the map. Then you've got to medevac the guy all the way back, takes him out of play for two turns. So, so I, you know, I sweep the mines. And so that's related to the to your hearts and minds score. That's interesting. I didn't I, – I don't think I – Pick that up. Well, they're just going to be doing more missions, I presume. That's right. Yeah. That's oh, right. I see. I got it. Okay. Yeah, that does make what sense. Missions is mine. Yeah. So, so as you go down that, as you go down that funnel, things get worse. That spiral, as people call it, you know, it can get a bit hectic. Uh, I imagine one of the comments you get, and I've certainly heard this from a couple of my friends I've talked to about the game, is, um, you know, I, I want to be able to play the VC in the NVA. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. What do, you, what do you think of that? Well, well, first of all, trying to model the um, modeling the AI for the NVA and the VC, I've evolved it over many years, and I figured it out. I think to try and do the AI for the American, I don't think it'll be that difficult. I personally would rather like to see this game as a multiplayer. I think playing against your mate and one's the VC and one's the American, I think it must be a fascinating because you know it'll be a lot trickier than the AI. So very much on the card, something we need to consider. Um, we're just trying to gauge the response for the game in its current format because, as you know, multiplayer game design and costs are about seven or eight times that of a of a single player game. Mm-hmm. It would would be that that much uh, that that much of a resource uh, hog for for in terms of development to to make it a multiplayer game. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, no, we would have to redesign the engine completely. You know, it wasn't designed with all the variables, and you know, particularly now with with iPad to iPad, and you know, it, it, mm. it's quite tricky. You know, so it's it's quite a big decision to make. So I think it's really going to be an economic decision at the end of the day. But the way sales are going, very happy. So you know, I, I, I want to plow every single cent out of this game is going to go back into this game. This is not a profit venture for me. Wow. So at this point, you've got you've got the update coming. Um, with uh, you know hexes, with the weather, uh, I understand also uh, either we'll be able to name or villages will be named and units will be named. Yeah. Very cool one. I mean, something I should have put in the beginning. It's such cool immersion with very little effort on our side. So you will be able to name your firebases. You'll be able to name your American units. And the villages will be randomly named from villages from the Idrung Valley. So, yeah, that I think is going to add a nice twist of immersion for very little effort on our side. And what's the current timeline uh, that you're expecting for – so we're, we're recording on, uh, on March 25th. Uh, when roughly do you expect the update <laughs> will, will be uh, around? Uh, roughly, I would say about two weeks. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm busy playtesting the, the zone of control lighting and the hex overlays. 
Um, we're also putting a few combat modifiers in, like weather to affect combat. Uh, also proximity to other American troops. So we think, you know, an Arvin troop will probably probably affect better combat if he's next to an American infantry unit. You know, so little nuances like that we're putting in, but mm-hmm. nothing major to the gameplay change. So two weeks we're going to have a really cool update coming out on both platforms. Okay. That's uh, awesome. And uh, can you – do you have a sense for uh, – is it doing better on the PC or on the iPad? Uh, what what – which platform do yeah. folks seem to be leaning towards? Well, well, funny enough, I thought this thing would be we were screaming ahead on 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 Apple on on the iPad and not so much on Steam, um, and through the Slytherin site. But honestly, it's neck and neck, which is surprising, which is great. So a lot of the hardcore, even 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 the website, the Groghead website, that's notoriously picky, you know, when it comes to these things, they like it. So so I'm very happy. I'm actually running fifty fifty. I'm surprised actually um, that it's not more heavily PC. I found that you know with uh, uh, iPad war games, the 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 real um, I think the people who are your core audience here for some reason just play on the PC and um, are less likely to uh, play these games on the iPad. So the fact that it's fifty fifty is actually very interesting to me. Uh, but okay. the, the the PC is very much uh, you know sort of the bastion of of the uh, hardcore PC war gamers and uh, definitely the grog heads. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted that it's doing well. That's all. Yeah, me too. But I, I, I take your point. You know, I took a lot of stick initially when I launched this game from the PC crowd saying, how dare you port something like this to PC? And then sort of like nine to the iPad. Uh, yeah, how dare you port it from the iPad to PC? You know, it's something you don't do with a war game. And then 10 or 9, 10, 11 threads later, they're loving the game. So, you know, I, I loved watching that transformation. Interesting. Yeah, the, um, the, the, the hardcoreness of this and the balance between the hardcoreness and the board game, uh, part is something that I, I really, uh, I can just imagine the, um, uh, players sort of this is this is this is a great game to trip up people who review games after an hour Um, (laughs) because you can always tell i mean i've I've seen some comments about the game and and i can always tell you know the player who's like oh they just loaded it up and kind of moved some stuff around and you know now they hate it or something like that it just it uh it 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 involves an investment that i think a lot of as tom sort of alluded to before that but you know computer gamers aren't expected to invest that's the investment that a board gamer sort of uh expects and kind of likes and just likes to walk in and 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 knows they have to get their head around this and and the computer gamers don't um but i'm i'm really impressed with what you've you've sort of um sort of created did are there any games that you kind of really um i, I can't think of a, of a vietnam game that you would i could you could say that was a you know an influence it was an old game an old v, uh, avalon hill game called Viet Cong, but it didn't have anywhere near the complexity of something like this is there is there a game that you can think of that that sort of uh is the spiritual uh ancestor of of uh vietnam 65 no, um, I've been asked this question a few times, and what, what, you know, what, did I copy it from something? Or this is honestly oh. something that's, that's taken a twenty-year gestation uh, period. Um, and I, I, lots of influences, without a doubt. Um, mm-hmm. You know, certainly you can see there's a civilization influence in the in the look and feel of the of the in-game mechanics. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I am a big fan of Civ, but from a Vietnam game, the reason why I actually got off my butt and did this game was I couldn't find a decent Vietnam war game on the iPad. And then I couldn't find one on the PC either. Look, there's some great ones that are tactical games and strategic games, and I've played them all. 
but no one gave me that, that that piece I was missing. So that's really what drove me to to put this game out on, onto the iPad, then the PC. Hmm. Uh, Johan, have you by any chance seen a tabletop game from GMT called Fire in the Lake? I'm looking at it right now. It's actually spread out in front of me. I'm busy by <laughs> my, my fourth game. <laughs> and, ah, so are, are you playing solitaire or have you managed to play with a four-player uh, group? Um, no, I'm playing solitaire at the moment. I, I'm going to attempt Vassal as well. But, I, but, but to give you a hint of things to come, I'm also playing um, Distant Plane. Mm. Sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's... that's fascinating. That, that sounds like when you say things to come, you're not talking about you're playing it. You're talking about it somehow migrating to uh, uh, a, a counterinsurgency game in uh, Afghanistan. Yeah, very much so. In fact, it's a, it's a project that's already on the go. Oh, wow. So what, that's very interesting. Yeah, so what, how much can you say about it beyond what you've just said, or can you? Very little. In fact, I'm, you know, I have a publisher and we, we are in negotiations, so not much, but but it's going to be a cracker. All the lessons we've learned in V65 fit to this simulation like absolute hand in glove. Uh, let me ask you this then. Um, can you make a game about you, – you, you said you didn't feel that there were political opinions in Vietnam 65. Uh, can you make a game about something as current as Afghanistan without political opinions, and is that an objective? Well, um I'm not a politician. I'm a soldier. So, you know, soldiers, we tend to do things and not think about the political consequences. I just think it's a great game. And I think it will be a shame not to actually do it. So, uh, you know, I'm having some considerations of what I can and can't put into the game. And, you know, like what flags would I use, for example. Um, But those are considerations I think, you know, the gameplay will will, will triumph over. And are you still... uh of the mind that the games you make you want them to be on the iPad? Um, well, to be quite honest, I still play Vietnam 65 on the PC myself. Um, I, I was just trying to get to a broader audience, in fact, but, you know, and sure. I wanted the portability for myself, being selfish, because I wanted to sit on the airplane and play my Vietnam game. But I'll, I'll definitely um, sort of keep the two platforms together. I don't think I'm going to branch off and do a PC version. I think it'll, it'll stick to the same format. Mm-hmm. Any chance of there being uh, an Angola game, uh, Quito Cannavale or something like that in the in the future? <laughs> in fact, you know, I think this even can go even further than that back in history. I still want to adapt this model to the Anglo-Boer War, but that's a personal thing. Because think about it. Take the UEs out, put the train in, take out the Americans, put the British in, take the insurgents out, put the Boers in, hearts and minds. You know, it, it, it just fits. And that was a counterinsurgency warfare. In fact, it was like one of the first. So, mm-hmm. so yes, Quito Cannavale definitely. I mean, that's close to home for me. Um, I think if the, the next adaption goes as, as well as I hope, I would definitely put the resources into uh, the Angolan conflict. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a little excited, Johan, to imagine, because part of what Bruce and I responded to st- so strongly about your design, uh, and we wrote as much when we did our review, uh, is that there's, there's nothing quite like this. Like, it's so rare to come across a design that feels unique. Um, yeah. So I'm really excited looking ahead, you know, in five years, are we going to have, uh, you know, th- this, this model applied to all these different conflicts? And if so, more power to you. I'd love to see you run with this thing. Well, well, that's so going to happen. Trust me, it is. Um, and like I said, this is not a, you know, I, I, I am running a studio, but I'm not running a, a profit-taking business. I really, honestly, am about investing into this model. And every cent I make on Vietnam 65 is going back to Vietnam 65. Look at the patch. Great. Yeah, I can't wait for it. Uh, so you mentioned that you've uh, you've you've been looking lately at uh, Fire in the Lake and uh, Distant Plane. Uh, what other kinds of of games do you play? Just out of curiosity. 
So I, I collect and play every single Vietnam War game, surprise, surprise, that I can find. In fact, I went to the Essen uh, Spiel uh, last last year, and I found three really old, tatty, 1960s-made um, Vietnam games. So I, I, I play a lot of games like Silver Bayonet, uh, Vietnam Solitaire, the Special Edition. Uh, there is a game called Hearts and Minds that I play. Yes. Right now, I must say, I'm, I'm putting a lot of time into... into um, uh, uh, a distant plan, and another one I picked up called BCT uh, BCT Command Kandahar. Also, a very good game. Busy oh, that's a, that's is that um, is that from Shrapnel? Uh, no, it's from MCB, MCS. I think I'm looking at the box now. Ah. Now, very tell cool me, game. What uh, What are the three tatty games, the tattered games that you you picked up? I'm curious. Um, I can't see them from here. I'll, I'll, I'll send you a pic of some of them. Perfect. I'll, I'll, I'll email you one or two pics. It was really cool. I'm actually trying to track down the rules for one of them because the rules are missing from one of these games. So um, I'm busy trolling um, YouTube, not YouTube, but eBay, trying to find someone that's willing to scan the rules for me. So, yeah. Oh, let I'll me know because I may have them. So okay, great. If I have the rules, I'll scan them for you. Great, great. Because I mean, I, and I've got all those strategy and tactics magazines of all the Vietnam conflicts, like Eagle's Beak and all that. Um, oh yeah, I am a fan. You know, I, I really am a fan. Excellent. Well, Johan, uh, we appreciate you talking to us today. Uh, like I said, we're, we're both delighted with with what you've done, and we're even more delighted that it seems to be a success. So, uh, congratulations. Yes. Fantastic, guys, and, th and thanks for your support. Really, um, it really helps the cause. I must say, uh, these kind of interviews and, and discussing this game with people like yourselves is is why I did this. And I'm not trying to be philanthropic, but it really is. I just love talking about the concept and gaming. So, thanks for your support. Well, you're very right. welcome, and, and yes. you absolutely deserve it. Now, now, Johan, get to work giving us those hex outlines for people. Yes, <laughs> work on it. I'm going straight. I'm going straight back to the beta as we speak. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Johan. No reason to get excited. The kind is There are many here among us who feel that life is but a joke. You know, Bruce, I have to say, I, I love a South African accent. <laughs> that, was, that wasn't Australian? Oh, I dare you. I dare you. Uh, South Africans, uh, at least at first, I always thought it was just someone doing a, a bad English accent. But uh, no, it has a certain snap to it that I really Yeah, it sure does. That's uh, You don't hear it very often. But yes, it's um, – it's uh, well, you, you see it on uh, Chappie, for example. And, I, do, uh, I don't see it. I know better District than District 9. It's like that, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, that's right. In a, in a movie, uh, Johan would be played by Charlotte Copley. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it also, I, you know, when he mentioned Angola and the Boer War, man, yeah. I, I'd love to see just unique, like subject matter like that that is so rarely tackled in the kind of games we play, or at least that I play. I'd, I'd love to see him do that. He, he seems uniquely qualified. So uh, I'm looking forward to getting stuff like that coming down the pike. Well, I'm fascinated by somebody who, uh, you know, is, is, first of all, you know, he's, he's an infantryman. And second of all, he I didn't realize he had a he had a company, he had the people coding for him. I thought he was a one man shop. I thought he was coding this out. But I guess, uh, um, uh, we know, more power to him for setting this all up. But uh, it's 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 unique that uh, he has this particular uh, passion and 
actually seems to be a good game designer because uh, right. you know I it's, there's so many of these things you know God bless them all these people who have you know sort of obsessions with certain things and they try to make a game or something and it just is this odd you know god awful mess but uh, it's it's so it's so nice also he kind of hits that um, the, the idea of the the uh, board game. Where you don't just throw a whole bunch of stats into a into a game and have you know a thousand different unit types. I loved his description of how he went through and changed all the variables, you know, a hundred times, and then was taking units out. And I, that's that's exactly the approach that I think uh, too few designers have, or they sort of get. They may start out with it, but then they start thinking, oh, well, I can just, you know, oh, what if I make this other unit? Oh, that, that Huey looks cool. I can make, uh, you know, I can make, uh, like you said, uh, the spooky. I can make um, all these different other kinds of, you know, I, how come I don't have, um, you know, a chafee or these kind of different kinds of tanks or, or whatever. Um, and instead, he was just, you know, pulling things out and pulling them out until... Now it's balanced. Well, and the fact that he didn't, you know, he said he had tactical combat at one point. And the fact that he yep. didn't fall in love with that, you know, that's mm-hmm. the sort of thing that a designer does early on, and then they can't conceive of not having it because they've put right. work in it and they get attached right. to it. And uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, how do you feel about this update? Some of the things he mentioned. Any, any so, red flags or concerns for you there? Um, I, you know, I, I, the idea that you know you can, he, he made the point about how the game is a certain length for a reason. And that reason was a very good reason. And he, uh, he's kind of giving in, I think to the, uh, to the community where people say, well, you know, put this in the, put this in the game. There's, um, there was a game that, uh, I remember, um, I think matrix made a game, a, a civil war game that, uh, it was by the same, the same team. I think it was by Western Civ, now the developers who made um, the Crown of Glory, the Napoleonic game that I played a lot, and they basically decided that they would just make every rule optional. So you could just sort of go into the game and start clicking and unclicking rules, and you would have this kind of hybrid monster that was sort of the the player's decision. And I think a lot of the times players don't really know what's good for them because um, – you know, players players are very good at knowing what they don't like or what they, they think that they want, but then it gets in the game and actually is, you know, makes a complete mess. So on one hand, it terrifies me. But on the other hand, I think as long as you have a base game, and it's very important that, you know, the base game and only the base game will have the achievements, I think that people will end up playing it. Um there is that uh, that sort of expectation of investment that you get with a board game that you know you you and I take a board game and we put it on the table and we open it up and and it, it's kind of this okay we have to get our heads around this whole thing and I think a lot of you you know there's a very very um, astute observation that you made very, at the very beginning was that computer gamers aren't expected to be able to do that and I think that turns a lot of them off and so I do think there are probably a lot of people who who play the game for 10, 15 turns and then decide that it's just too complicated and they can't figure out why they're losing and then they quit. And so if that keeps the players in the game by giving them, you know, a way to sort of construct it the way that they want, then I'm, I'm, I guess I'm okay with that. I, I, I I feel there's a, there's a certain thing about uh, our designer though, who says, look, here's my game. This is what it is. 
all the pieces are in there because that's what I put in there for a reason, and it shouldn't be changed. It, it sort of though seems to me I don't I don't that that whole custom game thing uh, like I don't feel it's something that I'd want to mess with, but it, it sort of almost seems like a concession to the board game nature in that he is saying here are the pieces, here's the the, the rules that I have written, you know here's how you should play it, but you know what if you want to. They're your pieces. Make your own house rules. Make up your own game. You know, knock yourself out. Uh, so I, I don't mind the custom game stuff so much. Even you know, I'll never use it. But if anybody wants to do that, more power to them. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, you know, when he talked about adding combat modifiers for terrain and for weather, and even mm. just the idea of weather, I'm not sure how I feel about, you know, every few turns my guys can't move as far and I can't right. uh, bring in airstrikes. Uh, you know, I do trust ultimately that that he knows what he's doing. But when he mentioned weather at first, I was like, "Oh, that's a cool idea." But then, as I thought about it, I was like, "I don't know how I really feel about that." Uh, so I'm eager to see how it turns out. Uh, you know, maybe there'll be options. Uh, I don't know if there'll, you know, if it'll be like you know different game modes, for instance, with weather or not. Uh, so we'll see. But well, I guess you know, there's there's never been, or there probably aren't too many um, uh, games where the update took things out and made the game more streamlined. So, you know, everything is always a, um, uh, everything is always an addition, right? You know, people, people want this in the game and that in the game. And so, yeah, the, the overcomplication, I guess, I guess I, I kind of missed the thing about the, the terrain modifiers. Um, it's, you know what? I might have misspoken. I know he mentioned modifiers for having proximity to other troops, like a morale boost. Being ah, I see. Uh, yeah, okay. But even that, I'm not sure I, I really want that. I mean, I, again, I trust him, but mm-hmm. I hear something like that, and I think, uh, you know, your game is kind of awesome. Don't don't add more rules to it. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah, but but we'll see. And uh, you know, I ultimately it comes down to I think he knows what he's doing. Um, yeah. No, I, I I definitely think that somebody that that came up with this. Um, from the from basically uh, his own ideas is uh, somebody that I'll I'll trust to 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 keep this kind of like shepherded in the right direction. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm fascinated by the fact that he wants to take this to uh, that he wants to take this to um, Afghanistan. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm 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 curious as whether he thinks that the that the whole thing uh, sort of philosophically and and by the way I, I love the fact that that uh it's um he feels that there's no politics in the game right <laughs> since no. since the, the act of creating it is just sort of a political uh, statement i mean it has it has certain assumptions behind it well but, real quick though what 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 uh i really appreciated hearing is that he apparently does have a soldier's perspective this idea mm-hmm. which i for me you know you and i have been in the military right but i think a lot of people in the military feel look i'm, I'm just doing a job it's not up right. to me to, to right. consider the political implications of it, mm-hmm. uh, right. and I kind of think that's where, where he's obviously coming from. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. I, sorry, I, so you were going to say you're, you were looking forward to an Afghanistan version of this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and um, I just I I'm, I'm curious to see how how much of the game he thinks you know translates and and what what the uh, what the unique Afghanistan variables and sort of assumptions are that are going to have to be changed and how they're going to be changed uh, I'm just now this I I'm very rarely um excited for an upcoming game but I'm excited for an upcoming game 
Uh, I wonder if there would be more – if it would be more of a thorny issue uh, to release uh, you know, an iPad war game about Afghanistan. Oh, I think that there's going. To, I think that that is going to be sort of. I mean, you can you can muck around in the in the sort of the nether regions of uh, you know Steam computer war gaming. Nobody cares about that stuff. I mean, nobody's trolling Steam. Nobody. It's just it's just a it's sort of a backwater. But as soon as it goes on the Apple Store and people can post links, look this thing in the Apple Store about you know these these uh, yep. people that are playing uh, you know an Afghanistan war game. Oh my God! I mean. That's that'll be an interesting uh, that'll be an interesting thing. Uh, it sort of it'll make it sort of a, a, a more public consciousness. Uh, it'll be a more main just the being on the Apple Store will be, will be mainstream. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about his uh, his observations about multiplayer? I I feel like it sounds like the game is playing. It, this is almost uh, you know the, there's a system to the NVA and the VC. And I would think that you'd first of all you'd have to start changing rules because if the AI can play that well, um, just with the, sort of the sort of automation, then um, I assume that the game was balanced to be a certain way. And if you start letting a player take advantage of all the sort of loopholes and and um, and tricks, then I can imagine it being very difficult for the uh, U.S. player to win. And the only way to change that would be to sort of tweak the variables with, uh, you know, village influence and things like that and combat. And I, once it, now you're rebalancing the whole game. So it sounds like it's going to have to be rebalanced for multiplayer. I, I, I love the fact that, you know, at some point you and I might be able to play this game against each other. But from a economic standpoint, I can't imagine how that's going to be um, – how that's going to be uh, viable. I mean, so few people play these games multiplayer. I mean, everybody plays them solitaire. Um, I mean, even even games that are supposed to be not played, even games that are like Fire in the Lake. I mean, he's playing it solitaire, right? I mean, people play these games solitaire. It's it's um, it's not something I think that tiny percentage of players would play it multiplayer. I can't uh, see. How, I mean, it, he's but he's the he's the businessman and he he will make those decisions. So. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Well, I think it's also an expectation with strategy games that a lot of people are like, hey, if I can play this against the computer, I should be able to play it against my buddies. Uh, mm-hmm. and, a, and a lot of times they will – someone will feel that way regardless right. of the design, uh, right. regardless of whether the design supports it. Uh, one of my my uh, closest board gaming buddies is a fellow mm-hmm. named uh, Tony Carnavale. He's written mm-hmm. for the site a few times. Uh-huh. Uh, he's a guy that uh, – you know, anytime I'm having board games, if Tony's there, it's going to be better. Like he's really good at games. He uh-huh. can wrap his head around them. He gets invested in them. He's a super bright guy. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I, I showed him this game because I knew he would appreciate it, yeah. partly for how much it feels like a board game. Uh, and his observation uh, was that the, the brilliance of Vietnam 65 is that it doesn't expect the computer to do things that computers aren't good at doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the the contrast is Civilization V, for instance, where the human player is playing an empire and he's growing it and he's managing tactical combat, and the computer is expected to do the exact same things. Right. And the computer sucks at that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, computers are good at certain things. The brilliance of Vietnam 65, according to my friend Tony, and I agree with this, mm-hmm. is that it lets computers do things computers are good at doing. And it does this in the context of this asymmetrical warfare model. Yeah. And namely, you know, computers they can crunch numbers, they can keep track of where things are, mm-hmm. uh, and they can hide information. 
you yep. know? And uh, I, I don't think the stuff that the VC and NBA are doing, which is, is heavily scripted also, you know, mm-hmm. computers are great at that. I don't right. think it would make for a very good uh, multiplayer game experience. Like yep. if, if we – I'm saying this right now, Bruce. If you and I are going to play multiplayer Vietnam 65, mm-hmm. you have to be the communist. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do that boring stuff. Uh, yeah. So I, I feel like that is – I don't feel like Vietnam 65 is a design that would support multiplayer um, because it's ideally suited to single player against the AI. I, I think that – I think in certain sense you're right. I mean I think it's ideally suited from a from an AI scripting standpoint because you're just spawning things. You're sort of trying to – you're just sending them out to these villages. Um, I think it could be – I mean I, I think there could be some interest yeah. – to it, I mean, I think. Well, as I was you said, like, it, it would have to be remodeled. Like, it'd have to be yeah. worked. The rule set would kind of have to be right. a, a bit. Right. But as right. it is, just letting a player, you know, spawn in and do the things that the computer is now doing. Yeah. I, I just want no part of that. Yeah, um, I, I think. Yeah, I agree. It would be kind of boring. But you're going to have to. You're going to have to re, rebalance the whole game if you do that. And I can imagine rules changing. And and uh, you know, it's it's like a it's like one of these war. You know, the operational art of war scenarios that are you know suggested. Uh, you know, to be played against the computer. There's right. a suggested AI side, right? What does that mean? That means the scenario's unbalanced and the yeah. computer can't play one side, so they just gave it the other side and gave it a whole bunch of extra, you know, units or whatever. So that's that's what I would expect. Um, it's fascinating that he's going around. Um, I just got an email from him showing me the uh, the game that he is uh, looking for the rules for. And if any listeners have uh, have the fall of South Vietnam by Yaquinto, uh, go ahead and send it to try to um, uh, scan the rules and send them to uh, Johan. He'd be very uh, happy to get them. It, it, I, he's very much a gamer in the sense that uh, he's you know collecting all this stuff and looking at different things about uh, about the subject. And I, I love that. I love I love sort of his enthusiasm for the whole enterprise and for the, for his subject matter. And uh, for the different ways people model uh, things, that's kind of the essence of what I would want in a game designer. Yeah. Now, neither you or I has this on the uh, the iPad, although I'm I'm now thinking, you know, I, I don't have to travel much, fortunately. But, mm-hmm. you know, if I was going to have to get on an airplane tomorrow, mm-hmm. I, w- I would instantly buy this thing for the iPad. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. It's, 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 uh, it, I can imagine how I have to – I actually probably am going to get it for the iPad just to see how the uh, – you know how the sort of the touchscreen interface goes, uh, because I have my sort of go-to games on um, the iPad have always been the Shenandoah War games, but I've sort of been able I can crush the AI, uh, you know, on any side in any mm. scenario by now, and so um, it would be nice to have something else to play. And I clearly can't beat the AI uh, regularly in the um, in the veteran setting of, uh, of Vietnam 65. So I think I probably will just pick it up. Um, it, I'm wondering. I, I assume. Well, of course, he's uh, he's done so well with this that I assume that the the map uh, sizing and the the display is is readable and everything. But uh, I'll I'll see. Oh, you know, I guess you would have to on the iPad. Well, yeah, you have to scroll around even on the, yeah. the PC. But that's one of the things I loved about what Shenandoah did is that you know it was it was the the maps were just right there, iPad right. sized. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. No, zoom. yeah, it was. You didn't have yeah, to like, d- zoom in and around and see things, yeah. Right. Well, it was designed. Those games were designed for the iPad, uh, and, but he says he designed this for the iPad and then made it a and PC game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is an iPad game first and foremost, and us PC users are lucky to have a port. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Oh. All right. So uh, if you're listening, uh, you as you know by now. 
Bruce and I are huge fans of Vietnam 65, published by Matrix and Slytherin. We heartily suggest that you get it for the PC or, or the iPad. Um, and we appreciate you listening to our uh, interview with Johan. So uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll uh, see you here on the Quarter 3 podcast next week. Some kind of way out of here Say the joker to the thief